0: For today, let's talk about just making some repairs, some things that you could do, some things that I've learned from doing fiberglass on my own, and just things that I've observed working you know, around boats and then being around fiberglass people in the industry, watching repairs we made, transoms done, decks pulled out, stuff like that. The tools that you need to do fiberglass repairs are pretty minimal. You really only need like a four and a half inch grinder and an orbital sander. When it comes to the grinder, you're going to want like heavier grit, like a 24 or 36 grit. So that way you can really eat through gel coat and paint and stuff like that to get down to glass wherever you're going to be making your repair. The main thing to know about the different resins is that you can pretty much, the general rule of thumb is that epoxy can go over polyester, but you don't want to put polyester over epoxy. Just because of the bonding properties that polyester has compared to epoxy, epoxy you can pretty much put on anything and it will stick. Whereas polyester might delaminate or debond later on down the road uh, from epoxy if you put poly over epoxy. I've seen people do it though and I don't know the longevity. That's just general rule of thumb and Pretty much what I stand, like what I do is basically go off of what I'm told. And so when the fiberglass guy tells you don't put polyester over epoxy, you don't put polyester over epoxy, let alone try it, you know, try it out to see what the long-term effects are. I've never tried that. That's just what I've been told. Um, There's basically like three different types of glass that you use. You've got like cloth, which is more for like beautification and doing cosmetic repairs not really structural then you've got mat but mat is also not really as structural but it it's mainly for adhering two things together so if you put like two pieces of Kusa together or you put um you know anything you can put it underneath cloth it's for adhering two surfaces together so you would take a piece of Kusa, put a piece of mat and then another piece of cousa stick the two together and that mat basically creates a structural bond between the two surfaces. And then you've got your woven roving or 1708, I think is what it's called. And that's basically, you've got a piece of mat with a piece of woven together fiberglass on the other side of it. That's pretty much the structural thing that that is used when it comes to making repairs other things that people use outside of like if you're making a glass repair which anything that you've got to crack if you've got a crack on something you want to put glass on it because if you just try and use putty the putty will eventually crack itself and it doesn't really fix what you're trying to fix so when you kind of crack or large hole something like that you need to put glass on it in order to make sure that that damage doesn't come back later on down the road because a boat is always flexing. That's something that people really don't think about. Whenever that boat is going through the water, it is always like, it's always flexing. It's always twisting. It's always bending. It's always warping. I guess you could say because you've, you're pounding through water being propelled by engines at you know speeds of 50, 60 miles an hour. So any kind of crack or spot like that it needs to have glass on it or else you know putty will eventually crack Um, repairs that are going to be difficult i would say you want to stay around curves because curves take the most amount of work and then edges edges are easier than curves but anything like an inside corner that has a curve to it that's a difficult thing to mess with compared to a flat surface a flat surface like if you got a just a a crack in a flat surface you just grind that crack down, lay glass in the in where you ground it down, soak your resin up. Um, that's another tip with your glass. So the heavier stuff like mat, mat, you really don't have to wet out like pre, but 1708 or woven, you're going to want to wet that out before you put it on your surface. So wherever you're repairing, you definitely want to put resin down on that repair. Once you grind it down and get down to bare fiberglass, you wet that out. But if you're using like 1708, You want to put like a piece of plastic on a flat surface, put that glass on the plastic and then wet it out with resin. So pour resin on that glass and then, you know, let it soak it in and really roll it into the glass. So that way it's pre-soaked, I guess you would say, then pick it up, put it on wherever you're making your repair and then continue to wet out that glass and come back with what's called a rib roller which is just basically a tool that's got all these ribs on them. You can get a plastic rib roller or a metal rib roller. And what you're going to do is roll the glass. So you'll put resin on it and then roll it with the rib roller to work any air that's in the glass out of the glass. And then when it comes to layering, depending on how bad the repair that you're needing to do is, I mean, two to three layers of glass it's going to be plenty of, of glass, again, depending on where it's at. Like if you're doing a transom, different story. Um, Generally, you're going to want to do three to four layers of, of the 1708. You'll put um, your mat on your, your existing glass, then your transom, then your mat, then your Coosa or wood, and then you're going to want mat 1708, and then probably like three layers of that 1708 to make a good solid transom. Depending on how big the boat is, how much weight, how big the horsepower, the engine that's going on there, is it getting a bracket? Like all those different things are going to weigh into exactly how many layers of glass you need to put on there. But something that you definitely want to do when you're doing your glass, once you get it wet out, you really want to take a fairing filler And apply that over the glass. If you let the resin dry up, then you are going to need to sand it in between layers. And then if you also put any kind of wax, like usually use wax on the last layer, which allows the resin to harden. So I'm not exactly sure how the chemical bond works, but basically air prevents the resin from hardening. So you put wax in there and that wax layer on your last layer of glass is going to have that wax go to the top, which creates a barrier between the resin and the outside air. And that barrier is what allows the resin to cure quicker. Now you can't put another layer of glass onto a, a layer of resin that has wax in it, you'll have to let it dry, let it cure, and then grind that down before putting on your next layer. But if you do them all at the same time, you put on your layer of glass, you wet it out, you get to your last coat. Then what you can do is put fairing filler over the top of that, which is going to make it easier to sand and then put a little bit of wax in that fairing filler. So that way it will cure hard as one single bond and one piece of glass, basically. Then you can come back after it is cured and it'll be easier to sand down opposed to having to grind down raw fiberglass and raw resin. What that looks like is basically, um, take a spot that you're going to repair and, wet it out, wet your glass out, put your glass on there, rib roller to get all the air out and then get it built up to where you want with just your, let's say you're using polyester resin, just your polyester resin and your MEKP mixed together to make your resin mix, which will make it harden and kick off. And once you get to your last layer, you mix up another set of resin, you basically take resin take your fairing filler put it into the resin mix it up and then add your MEK and your sanding aid depending on what you're using if it's total boat FGCI um west system this depends on what you're using it's going to depend on the amount that it is mixed together but like if you're just using polyester resin and MEKP usually it's like 10% wax is what needs to be adding. So your sanding aid is like 10%. And so if you put in like eight ounces of MEK into your resin, then you're going to want to put in eight ounces of the sanding aid. It's basically a one for one on the MEK. Again, it's going to depend on what you're using, what type of resin, what type of hardener. If it's using epoxy like West system, That is just a pump for pump. So one pump hardener, one pump, um, resin, and that's how you mix it up. And that's pretty much the best way to do it is mix up your sanding aid into your fairing filler and then put that fairing filler over the top of the repair that you just made. So that way, when you come back after it's cured and hardened, you can just sand that down with your orbital sander. You don't need to take your grinder and grind it all the way back down to glass. Then you can come back with one last layer or two more passes of your fairing filler depending on how pretty you want it to look, you can make it, you know, really, really smooth and get it all nice and and cleaned out. So that way, when you paint it, you can really hardly even tell if there was a repair made there. Now the mixing of the resin is where a lot of mistakes are made also depending on your temperature. So in a colder climate, you're going to want to add more hardener or more MEK to allow it to kick off. If you're in a hotter climate where the temperatures are high, like 90 degrees or something like that, then you're going to want to mix in less hardener because it's going to kick off quicker. If you do not put in enough MEK or enough hardener, then it might not adhere properly. So it might never harden. It might just turn into a goo and then you've got to scrape this goo off of whatever you're trying to repair because it didn't get mixed properly. You really want to go off of whatever the instructions are. If it says to make up eight ounces of resin and it requires four cc's of your MEK, put in that four cc's and then put in the four ounces of sanding aid so that way you know it's going to adhere properly based on what percent. Most of them will have 1%, 1 1.5%, 2% compared to MEK. I think what that means basically is that if you've got a hundred percent mixed, 99% of that's going to be resin. 1% of that is going to be MEK. And that's kind of a general rule of thumb. Again, depending on the temperature, the hotter it is, like say summertime, you want 1% because it allows you to have more working time with the resin before it starts to tack up. Whereas if you mix it too hot or in the winter, it, It'll just take forever to cure and it, it'll it just take forever to cure, which is another problem. It becomes gooey and it doesn't harden properly. So generally in the wintertime when it's colder, you mix it up more, like 2%. And again, this is all on the bottles and containers that the resins come with. Uh, one thing that I've done, I've done that before where I mixed it up too light and it just turned into a goo And I had to scrape it off the, where I was doing, uh, putting on the repair is actually inside of a, inside of a transom. And that's just a lesson that you learn messing around with the stuff, which means that proper mixing is a crucial aspect to doing your glass repair. Um, getting all the air out of the glass is another big factor, making sure that you wet out the thicker woving piece before applying that on there and then roll rib rolling all the air out applying the sanding fair or the the fairing compound on top of the resin before it cures which we say things like tack up that just means that whenever you're working with the resin as it starts to get hard you basically get a working time again to the percentages one percent two percent the colder it is Uh, more percent you add it because you want it to cure and you want less percent in the hot because it will get hard too quick meaning that you have basically say 10 minutes 15 minutes of working time where the resin is in a liquid form after 15 minutes it'll start to kick off and that just means that that it starts getting solid and it's no longer a liquid form so as it hardens, if you try to keep working with it, it will start to pull out and clump up and, you know, mess up whatever you've already done, which can be a problem. So, as soon as it starts to kick, that's it. You're done. You can't do anything more with it. And then, after about an hour or so, or 30 minutes, depending on how you mix the, the resin up, it'll start to get tacky and that means that you just take your finger, you put it in there and it it's just kind of tacky. It's not really, you know, liquid. It's not hard. It's, it's tacky. It'll, it'll tack to your finger. That's the time when you want to apply your next coat. So if you're doing another layer of glass or you're doing another layer of the fairing compound, as soon as that gets tacky, you can put that fairing compound on there. Now when it comes to the fairing process, you really wanna do that mixture of let it tack up, put another layer on there, and then you know do however many layers it's gonna need you to get the smoother surface that you need, but make sure that you put that sanding aid into the last coat that you put on there. So your last coat of fairing compound needs to have that sanding aid in there, so that way it creates that barrier coat that we were talking about, which allows all those layers that you put on there to get hard and actually cure 100%. Without that sanding aid, without that outside layer, it will, it'll get gummy. I mean, it'll eventually harden up, but the problem is that even when it hardens up, I mean, it could take weeks to get fully cured. And if you're trying to make a repair, you really want to get the repair done. So if it takes, if it's tacky, or gooey, it may be hard to the touch where like you rub it and it's not tacky, but if you go to sand it, it will gum up the sandpaper that you have. And it could take weeks to get hard and stop gumming up your paper. And sometimes depending, it may never tack up. I mean, it it would be months before it will ever get hard to where it's not going to gum up your sandpaper, which is why it's so important to make sure you put that sanding aid out of that wax mixture into the last coat that you put on there. So if you do have a layer that you put on there that didn't have wax in it and it's gumming up your pads, um, there's a couple of ways that I think people are cleaning the the sandpaper. Really, you're kind of just, you need to buy the 50 pack from Home Depot and use a orbital sander and just kind of strip them off. So that way it's a cheaper sandpaper. Otherwise, I think you can get a an abrasive pad that you can hold on the sandpaper on the, on the sander, which will remove any of the gumming up that's on the sandpaper. Cause that's, what's happening is the unwaxed resin is they basically call it a laminating layer. And that unwaxed layer is the outside layer. That's exposed to oxygen is not, it's, it's tacked up. It's not hard. So it just, Puts it onto the sandpaper and just spreads it. You pretty much are just wasting a lot of sandpaper, or you can try and use the that abrasive sandpaper cleaner they you have. You like turn on your yeah, on your orbital sander or whatever you're doing. You turn on your sander, hold that on there, and it takes a lot of that stuff off. But being gummy, uncured resin, I don't know how well that thing will work. I've heard people soaking in an acetone or kerosene or something like that and like taking all your old sandpaper and soaking that in those chemicals to get it to come out. I don't know if they do, you know, just take a jar of acetone and put your sandpaper pads in there and pull them out and see if the the gum gummy resin comes off of there. I've never tried it. You might as well just for $30 or whatever it is buy the 50 pack of sandpaper. Um, you know, sandpaper discs from Home Depot and not use your expensive seven inch or larger sandpaper discs that are a lot more expensive. Buy the cheaper ones and just go through them to get that layer off. And then don't ever make that mistake again. Those are going to be the main tips that I could think of is, you know, making sure you're putting the wax in there, fair it out in between layers, grind it down and. You can fare everything out. The different types of micro balloons are going to be, or different types of fairing fillers are based on how easily they sand. The thicker it is, it's not going to be as smooth. And the thinner it is, which is the easiest to sand, will allow you to put on a smoother layer. West Systems has the easiest ones to remember because it's basically numbers 406, 407, um, 410. It's basically the 410 is the easiest to sand, and then as you go down the number list, it gets harder and more um, structural, I guess you would say, but it's harder to sand at the same time, all the way down until you get to what's called colloidal silica, and colloidal silica is a structural filler. It's used a lot to fill in voids and gaps and stuff like that when you're doing Different projects you'd fill something and then glass over that just to fill up a void of something. Now, once you get to the gel coat and the painting phase, that's a whole different story because, like gel coat, you have to mix in MEK with that as well. Um, paint, a lot of paint is basically a one to one versus the gel coat that you mix in your MEK. Now, if you're going to spray it, then gel coat, you have to reduce it or you have to thin it basically with a thinner based on the brand of what you use. If you're using interlux, all grip, um, total boat, any of those, they all have specific instructions for how much you reduce that paint in order to use it in a gun to spray it. But the main properties and differences, differences between gel coat and paint is that gel coat cures a lot harder it is basically if you think about it like the paint is is a one-to-one and it's a paint whereas your gel coat is isn't a one-to-one it's the mek with the gel coat and you can almost think of it more like it's a resin and paint as a paint so paint you can peel off of a surface gel coat or resin, whenever you put that on there, it becomes part of it. It's a bond based on like that resin bond. So if you got your, your glass, let's say your glass, you don't put gel coat on bare glass. You put, you know, some kind of fairing filler or something on top of that glass. But if you, are you, I guess you could put gel coat on top of the glass. You don't want to put paint on bare glass, but that that glass or that resin, that gel coat like adheres to that stronger than the paint does. Your paint will, you know, basically be a separate layer. Whereas your gel coat is almost like a part of the glass. I guess that's probably the best way that I would describe it. I'm sure there's a better chemically correct way to explain how gel coat is different from paint than that, but that's the idea and that's what makes it more durable. So you definitely want all of your floor surfaces or high traffic areas to be gel coat versus paint. Because again, if you paint a floor that paint is going to wear off because it's high traffic. You really want to use paint on things that are, you know, the sides of the boat or the insides gunnels of the boat vertical surfaces that aren't going to be taking a lot of abuse over time. Whereas gel coat, it'll take that abuse and it'll last a lot longer. And if you just keep it straight up white gel coat, if you drop lead weights or stuff like that down on it and you chip it, then it's a lot easier to repair because it's just white gel coat and you can just take more white gel coat and put it on there obviously it's going to fade over time. So you'll be able to see that repair, but it's a lot less color matching, whereas a painted surface or, you know, trying to color match something that's, that's a whole skill all in and of itself color matching. I mean, even some of the best professionals have trouble color matching different things, though some people can get really, really good at color matching. That's kind of a trial and error thing. And like me or your average DIYer, good luck. I'm not going to be able to color match something like if you got a scratch on a boat, even if you, unless you use like the same paint, then, you know, let's say I use ice blue all grip and I get a scratch on there. I can fix it with ice blue all grip, but you'll be able to see the difference because, I mean, it's paint, it's mixed up and the tone can vary from can to can. Um obviously there's going to be minimal variances there. But if you've got like a boat that's got a custom color on it for you or I as a DIYer to go in there and try and color match that, it's going to be extremely difficult. Um I guess if you spent enough time with enough mixes, then you could probably get it really really close, but by and large that's a that's a skill that takes a lot of practice, and I definitely do not have that skill. But if you want to know more about this subject and how to do these things physically, then we've got plenty of videos on the YouTube channel and we also have the